That was stupid. You ought to see it when that does that in the middle and you've been recording for 45 minutes. That's all kinds of fun. Matthew chapter 16 this morning, up on the lesson from last time, I did, as preacher was preaching uh, Wednesday night, uh, and he and I had talked before service about uh, the lesson this morning, uh, he gave me the opportunity to preach or teach on I Love My Church. And as he was speaking, there were several different thoughts that came to my mind. We live in a world today that, to be quite honest with you, most people don't do anything unless there's an ulterior motive. Most of us, even us Christians, we have a bad habit. We have a question, what's in it for me? And that's kind of the idea behind the lesson this morning. What's in it for me? Why should you love your church? What are we... What can we expect to get out of it? As I thought about this, the, the only real place to start this morning, I think, would be at a passage that I believe uh, indicates the beginning of the church, Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse number 13. We will read down through 18 for our text this morning, and this is just a jumping off point more than anything. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for, Lord, the benefits and the blessings of being able to be a part of a church. And Lord, this morning we ask you, Father, that you would just work in this time that we have, this short amount of time, and Lord, just encourage us and strengthen us. Father, teach us your will this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I would start out this morning, and uh, I would like to take just a second to remind everybody that, yes, we call this my church, and we, we should take ownership of it. We should say that it's a place that we enjoy to be, but in reality, the church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His church. And everything that we do should have some relationship, if you want to call it that, to the Lord and His earthly ministry. And as I, I thought about this, there are three basic ideas that I would like us to see this morning. Uh, I am not one to alliterate preacher amazes me, and I'll be quite honest with you, my mind doesn't work like that. Uh, to alliterate a message for me takes a lot of mental stress, and it just, for me, it just isn't worth it. But this morning's actually kind of falls into that category where it does. There are three basic topics that we will look at this morning. The first, of course, being fellowship. The next would be friendship, and the final one will be fellowship. You say, but that's not a real word, brother. It is now. It's in my dictionary, so that's the only one that counts this morning is mine. So, But we will look at these this morning. And as I, as I considered this idea, first of all, of the fellowship, we need 
fellowship. We need each other's company. We are, we are a, a socialistic type, not socialist, but socialistic type creature. God created us to need each other. Now, when I, I thought about this, the one passage that came to my mind, and we will not take time to read it, but it's in Acts chapter 12, verses 11 through 13. And this is the account of the Apostle Peter as he was imprisoned. And as the Holy Spirit comes and frees him from prison, the thought came to my mind is, why did Peter go where he went? We know the story. We know what the Bible says. We know that he instantly decided, hey, I'm free. What am I going to do with the rest of my evening? And he decided to go to a prayer meeting. Why did he do that? Because he knew that he could find the one thing that he needed there. He could find fellowship. He could find an opportunity to be able to spend time with those that loved him. Those that were of like precious faith. I'm a firm believer in being able to spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ. And we'll talk more about the friendship aspect of it here in a few minutes. But as I, I thought about it, what are the things that we can get out of just the fellowship side of being a part of a church? Now, we can come to church and never, never really grow to love it, to be quite honest with you. My wife and I, we've had a few churches over the years that we've been a part of that we love them, but it didn't seem like it was reciprocal, to be quite honest with you. And it's, it's disconcerting. But one of the benefits that we get came to my mind was out of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. The Bible says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, when we, when we find ourselves in a situation like the Apostle Peter did, we, thankfully this morning we are not being persecuted, we're not being imprisoned because of our faith, at least not yet. I firmly believe that at some point before the rapture, that is quite likely to take place. But right now we don't have that. But we still need people to bear our burdens. We had the ability this morning to hand preacher a few cards, my wife and I did, and ask him to pray. Now, I would, I would caution you this morning, if you're asking somebody else to pray about something, don't stop praying yourself. There is that temptation. Hand it to preacher, preacher will take care of it. No, that's not what it's all about. You keep praying as well, and the simple idea is that we need to bear one another's burdens, to bear with one another under our burdens, if you would allow that. Now, this morning, as we think about that, our burdens are quite often too much to handle on our own. When the Lord allows a husband and wife to go through something, they do not experience it singularly. It's not just one person that's going through it, it's both. And with the idea of the church, it's very similar. Now, thankfully, God is gracious and merciful to us, and He does not allow us all to go through the same trials at the same time. Could you imagine how pitiful it would be in here this morning if we all went through the worst experience of our life this week? God doesn't do that. God instead allows some of us to go through things, and others that have been through it can come alongside. They can bear your burden. They can pray for you like maybe nobody else in the church can. That's what it's all about. It's about bearing one another's burdens. You see, we, we really don't know much. We have this short-term vision problem. Uh, I wear glasses, and it, there's a real problem with my glasses. I can't see afar off, and I can't see near either. 
And so that really creates some headaches. But most of us, we have this problem. We really can't see beyond a certain distance. And when it comes to spiritual side of things, it's really important for us to recognize that. Because we don't know what tomorrow brings. Scripture tells us time and time again that we shouldn't boast of tomorrow because we really don't know what tomorrow is going to bring to us. We can't sit here and say, oh, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a great day for me. You don't know that. You may need somebody from the church to recognize the situation that you're in. They may recognize it before you do. You know, if you walk into a church and your face is hanging low and your lip is dragging on the ground... Man, I tell you what, there are days like that, that we all come to church and we, we just feel like we're overwhelmed by the things of this life and we don't know what to do. Maybe we can't even put them into words, but yet a brother or sister in Christ can see what you're going through, maybe not even know what the real problem is, but yet they can begin to pray for you. And because of that, it can begin to encourage you and bear your burdens with you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 18. 1 Thessalonians 4 is a wonderful chapter. I love the chapter. I like where the way the Lord just basically gives, this, gives us this idea that, hey, he's coming back to get us. But verse number 18 in particular says this, Wherefore, comfort, ye, uh, comfort one another with these words. We need comfort. There's nothing quite like going through the worst trial of your life and having somebody simply come up and shake your hand and say, I love you, brother. I care for you. I'm praying for you. Or to come up and give you a hug. Now, honestly, and, and to be quite frank with you, I would not expect hugs from the ladies of the church. I do not like that kind of thing. There's only one lady in the church that I'm going to hug, and she sits right over there. <laughs> you know, but you guys get the idea. We need, we need what, uh, what, I'm in, what I'm calling this morning is commiseration. Uh, this sympathy with the sorrows and sin, uh, sin problems that we have and the byproducts of the sins in our life. We, we need to have this pity, this compassion on each other. Because if we don't, my wife and I, we were having a discussion at the house last night. And uh, our son and his wife are going through a few things and he told her that part of the problem was that she had a big heart. And I told my wife, I said, sometimes I feel like I don't have one at all. You know, I'll be quite frank about it. There are times that we just feel like our heart is just damaged beyond repair. And to have somebody that loves you enough and cares enough for you to have compassion on you when you're in that state, there's nothing quite like it. We need to know that we can comfort one another. Now, I'm not talking empty platitudes here. Oh, it'll be okay, brother. Don't tell somebody it's going to be okay because you don't know that. You don't know where this trial is going to go. But you can tell them that you're going to pray for them. You can tell them, give them scripture. If you've got a passage of scripture that ties into what they're going through, by all means, share it with them. But don't just tell them it's going to be okay for the sake of telling them it's going to be okay. Because it might not be. It could turn into the biggest train wreck you've ever seen. In Colossians chapter 4, verse number 11, the Bible says, In Jesus, which is called justice, who are of the circumcision, these, are, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. In the book of Colossians, as, as Paul writes this, he's, he's saying that there were those that he wanted to recognize by name that had been a comfort to him. 
we should recognize them. And, and I'm not saying to pat them on the back or to praise them for what they're doing, but recognize it. Don't be ignorant of what others are doing to try to comfort you, to get you through whatever it is you're going through. Each of us this morning, we have separate trials. We have different things in our life. It, part of it is our personality. Part of it is our, our upbringing, the, the way that we were trained by our parents to, to react to certain things. And to be quite honest with you, sometimes, sometimes just a, an arm around somebody's shoulder is enough to help them to realize that somebody does love them. We need that. I couldn't imagine going through some of the greatest trials in my life without having my wife or others like her in my life that are there right beside me to comfort me and to bear my burdens. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves, one to, uh, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. This idea of comfort is not enough Comfort is good, but it only has a limited amount of effect that it can have on our lives. Edifying. The idea behind edifying is usually given as an idea of, of building up, to build in a literal sense, to instruct or improve the mind. It, it is something that allows us to not be in the same position that we were in. You know, if, if, I, if I come up to this here and, and I try to comfort her, I tell her everything's going to be all right, but at the same time, I don't give her any scripture to help build her up and strengthen her. She's no better off for the situation than she was before. Honestly, we, we should not leave. I have a preacher friend. Uh, you guys met him some time back, Brother Philip Crow. Uh, we had, we've been friends with Brother Crow for years and we were living down in Florida. We had a nursing home ministry at that time. And I invited him and his wife to come and sing for the folks at the, at the nursing home. And as he came, he, he ministered to them in song as we wanted him to. But at the end of it, he made a comment toward me that, that didn't leave me where I was at. He, he, the way that I did the message, he's got a song that they do, uh, Those Eyes. And that was the thrust of the message that day, those eyes, the eyes of Christ as he looked down through time to see us where we are when he saved us. And the idea is to, yes, preach the truth of the gospel, preach that people are lost and dying and going to hell, yes, but don't leave them there. Don't leave them in that state of depression and, and, and no hope. Give them a hope. Tell them of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Tell them that there is a hope for heaven. Tell them that there is hope in Christ. There are a lot of different ways you can phrase it, but you get the idea. Don't leave somebody hopeless. If you've got a brother or sister in this church that you know is going through something, try not to leave them in that state. Try to encourage them through the Word of God. The Bible is full of verses that we use all the time to encourage ourselves Scripture tells us to encourage ourselves, and we should encourage ourselves in the Lord. But at the same time, we should encourage one another, edify one another. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 24 this morning says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. One of the things that I have strived to do throughout my ministry 
has been to encourage other people to do what God says to do, to provoke unto love and good works. Being a Christian is a wonderful thing, but a Christian that's not really serving God, that's, that's only half of it. You're only experiencing half of what God wants you to experience. Serving Him is a, is a big plus, and we'll get to that some more here in a few minutes. But this idea of fellowship should all come together with the idea of helping and improving each other. The second idea this morning is of friendship. As I, I, thought, as I thought about this, I thought about this attitude, and this is kind of a take on a, a movie line from decades ago. We don't need no stinking friends, you know, and that's the attitude that a lot of Christians seem to have. We don't need no friends. What are you talking about? We don't need them. No, that, that's not it at all. We do need friends. And one of the greatest benefits of being a part of a church is getting to know somebody enough to be able to call them a friend. We're all acquaintances. I, I look around the room this morning, and I'll be quite honest with you. Some of you, I, I know your faces. I've seen you for the last six or eight months or whatever it is that my wife and I have been coming here. But to be honest with you, I've never had an opportunity to sit down with you and get to know you to become friends with you. And honestly, we miss out on a lot because we've got different directions that we're all going, particularly on a Sunday morning. We're all pulled in different directions. We've got so much going on that we never get to know each other to the point where we could call each other friends. Friendship is an idea that we, that we even see in Scripture that God counts as something important. Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 11 the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. Man, what a, what a concept. That God would want to talk to somebody as if they were his friend. God is our God, yes. But God is also our friend. He is, he is a friend, Scripture says, that sticketh closer than a brother. He is there in the night hours when nobody else can be there. He is there in the midst of our worst trial. And he's made us a promise that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Man, what a blessing to know of the friendship of God. We read other passages of scripture. James chapter 2 verse 23. The Bible says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. One man, really, in all the Bible that the Bible calls a true friend of God. Abraham wasn't perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. God does expect you to try to live in accordance with the tenets of the Scriptures. But at the same time, he understands what you're made of. He made you. He knows every flaw that you've got. And yet God is still willing to call a man friend. I don't know about you guys, but to be quite honest with you, the, there is no greater title in all of the world, really, than friend. We've got some good friends in this church. We've had good friends in a lot of the churches that my wife and I have served in over the years. But to be quite honest with you, and one of the drawbacks of Christianity and humanity in general, is that often when somebody leaves a church, the friendships break. That should not necessarily be the case. If I commit some horrendous sin and I leave the church, yes, there's a good reason to break off that, that friendship. 
But you know, if somebody's leaving because of the calling of God to go and do something, that friendship should not end. We've got, we've got friends that we've been friends with since before we moved to Florida back in the 90s. Good friends. We don't get to talk to them very often. But when we do get to talk to them, it's, it's as if no time has passed. Brother and Sister Crow, when they came to the area here and we reunited with them for the first time, it had been, what, right at 20 years or so, if I remember correctly, since we had seen them. And it was as if nothing had ever taken place. There was no space in between. It was right back to that friendship that we had before. We need friends like that. We need folks that we know love us. Jesus himself, in John chapter 5, verse number 14 and 15, he says this, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You see, God wants to be our friend. Jesus Christ wants to be our friend. He is still our Lord. He is still our Savior. That does not change. But He still wants to be our friend. We miss out so much when we think that we are so independent that we don't need friendship. In 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 26, we read one of the more controversial passages of Scripture in society today. And it is the relationship between David and Jonathan. And he says in this passage of Scripture at the end, it says, Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. That is not what society today would have it to mean. It is a kindred spirit, a kindred heart. Two hearts that beat in, in unison, if you will. Two hearts that want the same thing. If you think about the example that's given right here between David and Jonathan, Jonathan very easily could have looked at David as an enemy. It's my position. I'm supposed to be the next king. That was the way it worked in that day. But he didn't do that. He realized and recognized that God's plan was different. And because of that, he was able to make friendship with David to a point that they became so closely tied together that the Bible says that their hearts were knit together. Knitting is, is a, an art that's beyond my ability. But it's amazing to see. The end result of just a, a single piece of yarn woven back and forth or two pieces of yarn. I don't exactly know how it works, but you take this yarn and all of a sudden you got a sweater, you know. I don't believe in magic, but that's about as close as I can imagine, you know. It becomes something that it wasn't before. And you and I, with the friendships that we can build, our life can be something far beyond what it was before. Two or, or even one entwined with itself becomes so much stronger than what it was before. We need friendship. But friendship, unfortunately, takes effort. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, the Bible says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We must show ourselves friendly. It, it, it is not likely. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's unlikely that any of us will want to be friends with the jar of vinegar dressed in a suit. You know, that just doesn't happen. 
Uh, you've heard the old adage, you can draw more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. Well, this really applies. If we are going to have friends, we, we, we ought not at least try not to be the abrasive individual in the relationship. <laughs> now, some, <laughs> quit looking at your wife, brother. <laughs> I'm going to pick on him. I saw that. <laughs> Listen, we, we really shouldn't be the abrasive individual. We, we need to try to be friendly. And it's not always easy. Sometimes being a friend requires more restraint than anything else in our life. There are friends that I have had in my life that I wanted to throttle, to be quite honest with you. If I could have choked the living daylights out of them, I would have. All in the name of love. I love you, brother, but I'm going to, you know. There are people like that, but we ought not try to be like that. We need friends in our life. What are the benefits of friendship? The scripture tells us in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times. I've got a, a very good friend that's sitting in the room this morning. I would consider him maybe my best friend. And because of that, he has experienced some things with me, changes in both of our lives. And I honestly believe that that has strengthened our friendship and allowed us to come to the place that even in the worst of times, he could still love me and I could still love him. Guys, this is something that's important in our lives. We need that. Sometimes it requires brutal honesty. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, Scripture says. People can tell me something that I, that, that I don't recognize in myself. And maybe my reaction to that, maybe they see the way that I talked to somebody was, was short and that it was rather rude, to be quite honest with you. And I didn't recognize that I'd done it, but because they are a friend, they can correct me. Now, if somebody else that's not my friend had done the same thing, I'd probably just tell them to shut their mouth and leave me alone. I, I have, unfortunately, had a hard time over the years with not being brutally honest myself in some cases. And so I recognize that as, as they tell me that because they're my friend, they're not saying it to hurt me. They're saying it because they love me. <laughs> Guys, our reaction to it should be different. A friend, a friend is a person that, and this is something that I hadn't considered too much until I was doing this study. Acts 27 verse 3 the Bible says, the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends. Now the verse doesn't stop there. It says to go unto his friends to refresh himself. I don't think it's talking about to take a shower. I honestly believe it means to go and to be rejuvenated for the task and the trials that lie ahead. Just sitting down with somebody to have a glass of iced tea, maybe a piece of pie or something like that, there's nothing quite like that. A friendship that encourages and strengthens you and builds you up so that when you walk away from that encounter, you're better off than you were before. But that leaves us with a third topic this morning. We've seen fellowship. We've seen friendship. Friendship. 
But there's the new one, fellowship. It's not a new concept. It's not a new idea. It may be a new word, but not a new concept. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and we will not take time to read all of them. Verses 11 and 12 say this, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. In every church that I have ever been a part of where I was not the pastor, I have always given myself the responsibility of doing everything that I could to be the pastor's encourager. Pastors need that. You see, a lot of people don't recognize what they go through. It's not just Sunday morning. It's the care of the church. It's, it's what's going to happen to the church. It's how am I going to, to do God's will and help this church to grow. It's all of these things and the cares of each and every one of you. There aren't very many of us, I'm sure, that have not at some point or another given preacher a prayer card. He carries those with him. I've seen him. He's got them in the front of his Bible. What he does with them after that, I have no idea, but I'm quite certain that he goes back and revisits them. This is something that pastors do and should do. But because of that, God gives to him an authority. And this lesson this morning is not keyed around the idea of pastoral authority, though it is a concept and a topic that should be addressed frequently. Our pastor deserves some respect. Why does he deserve respect? There are several ideas in Scripture, to be quite honest with you, and we will get to them in a few minutes. But one of the, one of the scariest thoughts that I came across, and I came across this years ago, there are three verses in Scripture that, that are so tied together that you really can't separate them. The first is in Philippians 3.17. The Bible says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk as so as ye have us for an ensample. Be followers together of me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 1, says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Why should we follow our pastor? Because first of all, he's following Christ. If I did not believe that Brother Rice was doing what God would have him to do here at this church, I would not be here. It's that simple. And if I honestly believe that Brother Rice is doing everything within his power to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance for this church, then I need to follow him. I need, I need to take his vision for this church. And God does give a man a vision for a church. He's got to know what's going to take place, what he, what he believes God is leading that church to do. And I should get on board with that. We should each get on board with that. We need to understand that he is the earthly leader that God has given to us as a child of God. We have a heavenly father. We've got a great savior, Jesus Christ. But we can't physically walk with them through this world. But God has given us a man that I believe we should follow. Followership or fellowship is something that I believe is a missing component of Christianity today. 
We're living in a world today that wants to do their own thing. Some of, you, some of you that are more familiar with me than others have heard me say a lot of times that Frank Sinatra got it all wrong years ago when he said, I did it my way. He got it all wrong. It's not about my way. It's supposed to be God's way. And as long as Brother Rice is following the Lord, I'll follow him until the Lord takes me to another place. That's the way it's supposed to be. Our lives... Our lives are a group of circles, and we see this in society described as, as social spheres is the way they usually call it. And, and our lives are, are separate circles, and for a period of time, they will mesh together, and then we grow apart again. God brings us together for a reason, and that is to build His work. Not Brother Rice's work, God's work. That's what this is all about this morning. It's about following God and following our pastor as we do so. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Why should we follow Brother Rice? Brother Rice, I hope you're not embarrassed by this. If you are, you'll have to get over it. You'll be okay. I love you, brother. I really do. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 6 says this. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. Why should we follow Him? Because of a faithfulness to the Word of God. If pastor is sticking with the Word of God, and by that I do mean the King James Bible, and remaining true to what it teaches, that's a reason enough to follow Him. That's the way it's supposed to be. Why else should we follow Him? Hebrews 13, verse number 7 Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Whose faith follow. Brother Rice has done something that many of us in this room have never done. He's been on a foreign mission field. That takes faith. And I'll be quite honest with you, it's a faith that I don't know that I have. I don't know if my faith is that strong to lead me to give up everything that I've got here and to go to a foreign land? It is a question that I have had in my mind for a very long time. If God called me, would I obey? I can follow his faith because he's been there, done that. That encourages me. Any, any preacher that has been on the mission field, I've got a great respect for him. Because he is doing what God has told him to do. And yet sometimes, as we see with Brother Rice and with the missionary that was discussed on Wednesday night, sometimes God's plan changes. Otherwise, Brother Rice would still be in Peru or Italy or wherever. But God's plan was not always for that to be. It was probably a learning period for him. Probably taught him a great deal more than he ever could have learned here in the States. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 12. A couple more verses and we'll be done. The Bible says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I've noticed, and I've been watching Brother Rice. He, he doesn't do what a lot of us have a tendency to do. Now, he may just hide it real well. But he doesn't seem to get as agitated that things aren't quite going the way that he thought they should go. 
He recognizes that God's got a plan and that God's plan's not always his. We can follow his patience to wait on God. I know if Brother Rice had his way this morning, we'd have four or 500 people in here. Brother, if that number's off, I'm probably a little on the low side. Guys, I understand that desire for growth, but at the same time, he understands that he's got to wait on God. That patience to wait on God is something worth following. It's not found in many people today. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, we read this a few moments ago, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Matthew chapter 4 verse number 19, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Faithfulness to follow always produces fruit. A faithfulness to follow will always produce some fruit in your life or in the lives of others. If I follow God and I go out and I begin to try to win souls to Christ, it's not a a real benefit to me, but it is a benefit to somebody else. But at the same time, if I follow Brother Shane and and follow him in his ministry and help him in any, any way that I can, that's got an added benefit to helping me. We need all three of these this morning. We need fellowship. We need friendship. And we certainly need fellowship. If you are wondering this morning why you should love your church or what you're going to get out of it, last week's Sunday school lesson on how to love the church was a good one. I listened to it. I went back and listened to the rest of it. It's a good lesson. You know something, this morning we need to understand that there is a benefit to us. This church was not given simply as a social organization for us to be a part of. It was built by God to establish us, strengthen us, and encourage us. There's a lot that we're going to go through before we get to heaven. We don't even imagine what's ahead. I am so thankful that when we get saved, God doesn't give us a piece of paper and say, here's your life. I'll be quite honest with you. I probably would have given up a long time ago. If I'd have known some of the things that God had planned for me, I would have just sat down on the side of the road and cried. Guys, we need this. We need church. We need to love our church. I would encourage you this morning, enjoy the fellowship. Seek for friendship. But whatever you do, don't forget to follow. Don't forget fellowship. We need this morning to be together. A church that is united can do anything. And I don't mean anything in the world. I mean anything for God. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads and close our eyes. As the music begins to play, I would encourage you this morning that if you're in this room and you struggle with feeling like you're by yourself in the church, you feel as if you have no friends, you have no fellowship here, I would encourage you to come to the altar this morning. Talk to God. And then talk to pastor. This church has a multitude of ministries that can encourage you and strengthen you. Be a part of them. 
Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the word of God and we thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, I ask you to encourage my pastor. And Lord, you know that as I said, as long as I'm here, I will endeavor to follow him. And Lord, I ask you, God, that you just help me to do so faithfully. Lord, encourage those that are here this morning to know your will for their life. Fellowship, friendship, and fellowship. Lord, thy will be done this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're dismissed this morning.